Boker Tov, we are continuing and today concluding the uh, Agadic interpretation of Megillat Esther. We are at the very beginning of Daf Zion Amun Aleph, um, and um, at the line um, where it says, Echin lo, lo echin, and now Chirot gives direction to Haman, to do all of the things that Haman described, Davka for Mordechai, Vasechem the Mordechai. So the, Hashverosh says, Vasechem the Mordechai, Ayudi, Yosheva Sharmelech. So Chachamim interpolate that each one of those phrases was a response to something Haman said. Amarle, Mano Mordechai. So Haman said, which Mordechai? Amarle, Ayudi. Amarle, Tuva Mordechai, Ika Biyudai. There's a lot of Mordechais among the Jews. Amarle Yosheva Sharamelech. Say Rachel Bitchak Tana. Exactly. Amarle Sagile Vachad Diskrotai Nami Vachad Nara. Give him a district. Give him a river. Give him something else. In other words, something that Haman could give uh, Mordechai to honor him without having to humiliate himself. Amarle Hanami Havle. And so Achashverosh said, "You know, give that to him also. What you said with the parade, also give that to him." Al Tapel Davar Mikol Hashadi Barta. Don't leave anything out from what you said. Now we have an elaborate uh, Agadah describing Mordechai um, eventually riding on the horse, but everything that leads up to it. It's a beautiful piece. Let's read it. So Haman came to Mordechai and he saw that Mordechai was teaching the students. He was showing them how to do Kmitza, picking up that piece of the, that, that section of the, the Kometz, of the Mincha, and putting it on the Mizbeach. When Mordechai saw Haman coming, he had a horse that he was holding. The horse, of course, was intended for Mordechai. Mirtat, he was afraid. He told the students, This guy's coming to kill me. You get away from him. You shouldn't be burned up with his coal. At that point, Mordechai put on his talus and started davening. And Haman had to stand there and wait until Mordechai finished his davening. Haman's quite humiliated already. So then Haman asked him, what were you studying? In the times the Beit HaMikdash was around, anybody who would volunteer to bring a mincha, he would fill up the komets, this grab of his hand, of solat, umid kaperle. And that would bring forgiveness. So your filled comets came. And knocked away my 10,000 talents of silver. In other words, your little uh, worship of God knocked away all the money that I offered. In other words, Haman at this point in the Agadah at least realizes that he's done for. At that point, Mordechai turns around to Haman and says, you fool, you, you wicked man. After all, you don't own any of that money. If a, a servant buys something, who does it belong to? Um, so, meaning that it belongs to Mordechai. Mordechai is his owner, according to the Agadah. So then Haman said, put on these clothes. Ride on this horse. The boy Lachmalka, the king wants you to do it. Mordechai said, I can't do this until I bathe. I have to go to the bathhouse, and I take a haircut. It's not nice to go to the king's, wear the king's clothes when you're dirty and unkempt. 
It's not nice to wear the king's clothes like that. So in the meantime, Esther, in collusion, ordered that all of the bathhouses be closed, and all of the uh, barbershops be closed. So now Haman himself had to take Mordechai in. There were no attendants. The Asche, he washed him. And then Haman himself had to pay out of his own pocket to open the bathhouse. And then he took a, uh, a uh, scissors. While Haman was cutting Mordechai's hair, Haman aside, as an aside, to point out what a temptation it was for Haman to be standing back of Mordechai and having a sharp scissors or razor in his hand. In any case, he sighed. Well, am I coming nachat? So Mordechai asked him, why are you sighing? A man who was more important to the king than all of his ministers. Now he's become a bathhouse attendant and a hair and a barber. And the Mordechai says, "You Rasha, weren't you originally a barber?" That's another Agadah. Tana Haman for twenty-two years. Haman was a barber in Kfar Kartsum. After he uh, did, did the haircut, before finished the haircut, he put on the royal garments on Mordechai. Marle Sakurchav, get up on the horse and ride. Amarle Loyachilna, I can't get up. I'm very sick and, and weak from the fast. So Haman bent over so Mordechai could climb up on his back. As he climbed up, Mordechai gave Haman a good kick. So Haman turned to Mordechai and said, Is this the Jewish ethic? Doesn't it say in Mishlei? That when your enemy falls, the pursuit number one on the page, when your enemy falls, don't rejoice. Why are you kicking me now? Mordechai said, that's only talking about other Jews. Regarding you guys, it says, Pasuk number two on the page, you will indeed ride over their high places. And now Haman went through the streets, um, leading him and saying, this is what happens, what is done for the man that the king favors. When they were walking down Haman Street, this is many people's favorite Agadah uh, in this uh, context. His uh, daughter, Haman's daughter, saw she was standing. He saw his daughter standing up on the roof. She figured that the one who was riding on the horse, who was in costume, was Mordechai. Was Haman? The one leading him was Mordechai. She took the chamber pot. This is before the days of plumbing. She threw it on her own father's head. Her father looked up and she saw it was her father. She jumped off the roof and died. And that's why the text says at the end of this parade, he went back to the king's gate. Meaning he went back to his sackcloth and ashes. And Haman was pushed home, Avel, mourning, simple pshat, he was sad because of what happened, and Chafui Rosh with his head down. But the way that Chazal interpreted is, Avel, Albito, Chafui Rosh, Al his head was down because his head had all this sewage on it. Good. Now, uh, he came home, and then, so, and then he talks to his family again, and it says, And in the next pasuk it says, Chachamav, Chachamav is Zerashishto. 
Right? So, if somebody says a wise thing, even if they're not Jewish, we still call them a Chacham. So the idea is the text points out, they're saying a piece of wisdom here. Chacham. What is it they said? They said, if Mordechai is Mizerah Yudim, you're not going to be able to beat him. Let's see what, what that means. If he's from some other Shevet, so you'll be able to beat him. But if it's from Yehuda, Binyamin, Ephraim, or Menashe, center of the center of the country, then you won't beat him. Yehuda, why? Pasuk number three on the page, in Yaakov's Brachadi Yehuda, says your hand is on the back of the neck of your enemies, and you would defeat them. The other three, Ephraim, Uvinyamin, Menashe, or Rad, Gvuratacha, Pasuk and Tehilim, that in the presence or in front of these three tribes, your strength is woken up. Now, the people, the family said to Haman, you will surely fall before Mordechai if he's a Yehudi. Why did it say you fall twice? So what they said to Haman is these people, the Jews, are compared to dirt and they're compared to the stars, like the sand by the sea, but the stars in the sky. Kishen, your deen, when they go down, your deen not afar, they go all the way down to the dirt. When they go up, these people are never in the middle. They're either persecuted and downtrodden and oppressed, or else they are elevated and they're ruling, etc., like the stars. Good. They rushed to bring Haman back to the second party. Meaning that they brought him and he was stressed. Now, at the second party, Hashrash asked Esther, what does she want? And finally, she turns around and says, I want my people to be saved. And she says, because we were sold to be killed. That's what she says. She said, and if we were only sold to be slaves, I wouldn't have said anything, because it's not worth it. Right? It's not worth making trouble with the king. He got angry at Vashti, he killed her. Now he doesn't like me and he wants to kill me. Oh, it's not worth messing around, unless except for the fact that we are destined to die. And Achashverosh, when he hears that somebody wants to kill the queen and her people, gets very angry. And it says, Why does it say twice? First, she, uh, he said it through an interpreter. And then when she said, I am from the house of Shaul, then he spoke directly to her, as if she's now worthy as a royal blood to speak to directly. Esther said, it's an evil uh, enemy, and a, and a man of enmity, this evil Haman. She started out by saying, she didn't identify him yet. And that indicates she was actually pointing to Achashverosh. And then Malach came and slapped her hand towards Haman. The idea being that Achashverosh himself was really an enemy here. Because his name was on the documents. So the king was very angry. He went out. In the meantime, Haman begged Esther to forgive him. And then the king walked in and Haman was, as we know, on top of Esther. The text juxtaposes Hashem is leaving and his return. Just like he got up and left in anger. When he came back, he was still angry. Why? 
He went out to the garden and he saw Malachim who looked like people. And they were taking out, they were uprooting the, the, the trees in the garden. What are you doing? Haman told us to do this. So now he's really angry at Haman. He came back into the house. What does he see? Haman jumping on top of Esther. It should have said he fell. Why does it say he is falling? Meaning that a Malach came and pushed him just as Ahasuerus came in. So Ahasuerus said, Woe to me from my house, woe to me from outside. Outside they're uprooting my trees, inside he's jumping my queen. And the king said the famous line, Are you going to try to capture my own queen in, the, in my own house? So who speaks up? One of the advisors says, Oh, by the way, Haman has a gallows in his uh, yard uh, for for Mordechai that that uh, was favored you, and the king says so. Hang Haman on it. He says that Chavonah really did not intend to point Haman to the gallows, but rather Mordechai. He saw it didn't work. He ran away. When there was no compassion, he ran away. Now the king is is appeased. Why is why does it say twice? One that God is now appeased, and the other Machashverosh is appeased. Or one of them is that he's finally appeased for what was done to, threatened to be done to Esther, and one he was appeased for what Vashti had done to him. Now, parenthetically, and this parenthesis is very big. Um, the text detours, Agadah detours to the story of Yosef and his brothers, which we see as a prefiguring of the story of Mordechai. Because the brother who gets favored in that interaction is, of course, Binyamin, the ancestor of Mordechai. That all the brothers, Yosef gave nice clothes to all the brothers. This is at the feast. Before he revealed himself, he gave nice clothes, and Binyamin, he gave him five sets of nice clothes. In other words, he favored him, which is exactly what got the whole family in trouble to start with. Could it be that the thing that caused Yosef so much trouble, he's going to trip up in? Famous statement of Rav. Because of the the uh, fabric that Yaakov favored Yosef and gave him extra, the Kotona Pasim, as a result, we ended up enslaved in Egypt because that's why they sold Yosef, because they were jealous, etc. The reason Yosef gave Binyomin these extra garments is he gave him a hint. He's going to have a progeny come out of him. Who's going to walk out in front of the king wearing five kinds of garments. See in the Megillah, there's five kinds of garments. Now, Back in the Yosef story, when he finally uh, revealed himself, he fell on Binyamin's shoulders and cried. Binyamin cried on his shoulders. They pull out Savrei Binyamin Achiv, that's plural. How many necks does he have? Yosef, when he wept, wept on the necks, in the plural, of Binyamin, each neck representing one of the Mikdashim that will be in the Chelek of Binyamin, Binyamin. Binyamin wept on Yosef's shoulders. 
בחר משכן שילה שעתיד להיות בחלקו של יוסף ועתיד לחרב. He wept for Shiloh who would be destroyed it was in Yosef's territory. Now continuing as, Yo- as Yosef after he reveals himself and he wants to let his brothers know that he's really him. You see and my brother sees. Just like I have no grudge held against Binyamin because he wasn't involved in my sale, that's why he juxtaposes Binyamin to the rest of them. Just like I love Binyamin and I don't hold anything against him, I hold nothing against you. And, and Yosef said, you see that I'm speaking to you. Meaning, what I'm saying is exactly how I feel. And his father, to his father he sent ten donkeys filled with the nice stuff of Mitzrayim. What's that? Mind me to Mitzrayim. What's the nice stuff of Mitzrayim? He sent him old wine that people enjoy. enjoy. And then his brothers fell before him. Now this is jumping ahead to after father died. After they came down to Mitzrayim and Yaakov was there for 17 years. And then... Uh, and then Yaakov died. Then the brothers came after the funeral cortege. They came and fell before Yosef, afraid that now the father was dead, he would he would take it out of vengeance. You bow down to somebody who is having in his own hour, um, even if he's a ta'alat, right? Even if he's a fox, right? So, uh, even if he's somebody who's not so great, but in the right, if he's having an auspicious time, you bow down to him. Why is Yosef considered a fox relative to his brothers? That they say, oh, when he's going well, you bow down to him. That should be read on this pasuk. This when Yaakov is still alive. And Yaakov bows down to Yosef when Yosef comes to him, and Yaakov needs Yosef to promise that he'll take him to bury, be buried in Hebron. You bow down to a, him, the relative to Yaakov, Yosef is a Shual. Yosef is not uh, Yaakov. Yaakov nonetheless bows to Yosef because he requires to Yosef, and now is the time that Yosef's in a position. So when the brothers came to, back to when they came to Yosef after Yaakov died, and they were afraid, Yaakov, Yosef comforted them. He said things that they accepted. Take a look at it. Ten candles couldn't extinguish one. The ten of you couldn't extinguish me. Why would I even think to try to hurt you? After all, the ten of you couldn't hurt me. How could I hurt the ten of you? Good. Now, back in the text of the Megillah, when the Jews celebrated, this was now the celebration that took place after Mordechai and Esther made their identities known and Haman was hanged and everybody knew that we were now in favor. The decree has not been fixed at all. There's been no war yet. Very famous line. These are now psukim uh, uh, 13 through 16 on the page. Whether that means that the Jews celebrated by now recognizing their breed and, and doing circumcision, or whether they were open about circumcision, is unclear. V'yikar elu tefillin. Glory is tefillin. How do I know glory is tefillin? V'chein omer v'ru kolam ha'aretz kishem Adonai mikor alacha v'yerum meaka. In the bracha, in Tvarim, it says, all the nations of the world will see that God's name is called upon you. It's a reference to tefillin. 
and they will fear you. That refers to the head tefillin. It's Pashandata Serpani Haman. Now in Paraktet, there's the list of the ten sons of Haman that are written in two columns. So the ta- the Gemara says Here we have a few halachot. You have to say all ten names and the word Aseret, which follows Avizata, the last name. You have to say them all in one breath. My time, why? Because they all died in one shot. This is a little bit difficult because simple shot in the Megillah is they were killed on the 13th. And on the 14th, they were hanged already as dead. They were hanged to be seen, hung to be seen so that people would be afraid. You have to stretch out the Vav of Vaizata uh, like a uh, sta- flag, like a, a flagstaff, a mast of a ship. My time, Kulu Bachad Zakifa is the Kifu because they were all hung kind of in one line. All songs in Tanakh, all long songs in Tanakh, are written brick over empty space, empty space over brick. In other words, the lines are staggered. Except for two, which is the ten sons of Haman and the thirty-one kings of Canaan and Yeshua Yudbet, that are written in two columns. Of course, we're forgetting Hazinu. There it's space on top of space and writing on top of writing. So they should never be able to climb out and rise up again. Neither the sons of Haman nor the Kanani kings. Now, back to the Megillah. On the 14th, the report of what happened in Shushan came to the king and he said, I understand that the Jews killed, I'm sorry, on the 13th, the Jews killed this many. And uh, now there's when Esther asked for the, another day to fight and to, for the sons of Ammon to be hanged. It makes it sound like Ahasuerus first was starting to complain against Esther, and then he gave her, a, a, and then he said, what do you want? So the, the disjunct in the conversation indicates that Amalek came and slapped Ahasuerus, and he said, okay, what else do you want? This is already the conclusion of the Megillah. We've skipped uh, the whole description of the war. When she came before the king, Amar Imasefer. Amar, it should be Amra. She said, why does it say Amar? Amar Yochanan, Amra lo yamer sefer. Meaning, let it be said out loud what's written already in the Sefer. Divrei Shalom Vemet. Why did Mordechai and Esther send out words to everybody which were Divrei Shalom Vemet? That proves that the Megillah has to be scored like a Sefer Torah. So they only fulfilled the words of Esther, but not the Tzomot. That indeed they kept all of it. This is the last Pasuk. Mordechai is beloved by most of his brothers. Why? This is because some of the Sanhedrin now avoided Mordechai because he was involved in politics. You see, the Talmud Torah is greater than saving lives. Why? In Sefer Ezra, you see a list, and Mordechai is listed at the end of four other great people. He's number five. And afterwards, after he saved the Jewish people, he's listed uh, fifth. That's the Kusumim according to Mordechai Bilshan in Sefer Ezra Nechem is the same Mordechai. And you see the psukim in front of you. Asher, Yeshua Al Ya Mordechai Bilshan. 
So according to tradition, was the teacher. He was the scribe of Yirmiyahu. He was the teacher of Ezra, according to tradition. Uh, there's a problem. There's a very big time gap there. Uh, and so um, Ezra did not make Aliyah and to to Eretz Yisrael and to help with the Beit Hamikdash, etc. Until Baruch passed away, he wouldn't leave his rabbi. Um, is greater than Kibudavim. How do we know that? And this is the final piece in the parak. There's a tradition that we're going to now calculate that Yaakov was in Beit Ever in the yeshiva of Shem Ever for 14 years, and he was not punished for those 14 years in which he did not uh, fulfill the mitzvah of Kibbutz Avim. He was punished for the other 20 years. And how do we know all of that? What's the calculation? Why does the Torah tell us how old Yishmael was when he died? Who cares? It's only there so that we can use it to figure out how how long Yaakov had gaps in his life at certain points. And well, let's follow it. Yishmael lived to 137. Now, how much older is Yishmael than Yitzchak? That's easy. Our base are shnin, 14 years. Avram was 86 when Yishmael was born. Avram was an even 100 when Yitzchak was born. So Yitzchak is 14 years younger than Yishmael. Remember, Yishmael died at 137. Yitzchak was 60, which means Yishmael was 74 when Yaakov and Esau were born. Now, Yishmael could yell Yaakov. That's we just said. Yishmael was 74 when Esau and Yaakov were born. So how much longer is Yishmael going to live? 63 more years. 63 and 74 is 137. And that's exactly when Yaakov was blessed by his father and left. He was 63. And Yishmael died at that point. How do I know Yishmael died at that point? Because right after Yaakov left, it says, Yisav saw that Yitzchak blessed Yaakov and told him, don't take a local girl, rather take a girl back from Padan. So Esau himself went to marry a non-Kanani girl. Esau went and married Machalat. Um, Who's Machalat? The daughter of Yishmael. But she's called the sister of Nevayot. I know Nevayot is a child of Esau, of, of Yishmael. So you don't have to tell me that Machalat is a sister of Nevayot. So that proves to you that Yishmael, the last act he did was to be Makadesh's daughter. And then he died. Her brother, Nevayot, married her off. So in other words, that's exactly when Yishmael died. So Yosef. Now there's another 14 years until Yosef is born. So if Yaakov left Yitzchak when he was 63, and Yosef is born 14 years later, then uh, Yaakov should have been 77 when Yosef was born. Now here's where we're going to get to the gap. Yosef is 30 years old when he stands in front of Pharaoh. That the text explicitly says when he interprets the dream. According to our calculations, now Yaakov should be 107. 
shaved the Saba Vatarta de Khafna, so there were another seven years of plenty and two more years of famine before Yaakov came. Hamevashitsa, that should take us to 116. Because one one oh seven and nine is one sixteen. So Yaakov, Yaakov, and Yaakov, when he came to Mitzrayim, was 130 by his own admission, which means we're missing 14 years from 116 to 130. So where's those missing 14 years? So it's 14 years that, according to the Midrash, between when Yaakov ran away from Esav and when he got to Haran for 14 years, he was hidden in the yeshiva of Shem Ve'ever. We have brighter like that. And two years after Yaakov left him and went to Aram Narayim, Ever died. And Yaakov went to Aram Narayim. So now we add 14 to the 63. Yaakov was now 77 when he got to the well. And now add 14 years, that means that he was 91 when Yosef was born. And now another 30 years, that means he is 121 when Yosef stands before Pharaoh, nine years later he comes to Mitzrayim and he's 130, just like he said. How do I know that Yaakov was not punished for those 14 years that he did not serve his parents? That the 22 years that Yaakov didn't see Yosef was comeuppance for Yaakov not taking care of his father for 22 years. Wait, Yaakov Wait, according to this, Yaakov should have been gone 36 years. So the 14 years in Beit Deva don't count against him. But wait a second, he was only in Levan's house 20 years. How did we get 22? Because on the way home, it was another two years. He came to Sukkot, tell Dir Allah in Jordan. came to Sukkot. She was there for 18 months. Even though Biden may also Sukkot comes to Sukkot, he builds a house, and then Sukkot, so like summer, winter, summer. And in Beit El, after the, the story of Shechem, he stayed in Beit El six months, he creeps Vachim and brought Korbanot until he came home, which means there were a full two more years after he left, Aram Naraim, until he got home, which means there were 22 years that Yaakov was away from home, besides the 14, when he was in the yeshiva, those 14 don't count against him, and therefore he was punished by missing his own son, Yosef, for 22 years. Uh, Baruch Hashem, we have successfully completed the study of Agadat Esther and all the tangential Agadot. And Amir Tz Hashem, on Sunday we will begin the second parak. Everyone should have a fantastic Shabbos.